Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to share a, a wonderful story tonight with you, and hopefully something that will touch your heart. I'm grateful for the volunteers who make this possible. And I'd like to start, before we turn our time attention to our guest, with a, a short word of prayer, if we could. Heavenly Father, we pray your Spirit will be with us tonight, that the things said will touch hearts and soften hearts and, and encourage people to, to study and understand. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Tonight we welcome Marcy Iverson. Thank you. Appreciate having you come and share your story with us. Thanks for having uh, me. You've... Uh, been a member of the church for many you were born into the church is that right yes tell yes. us a little bit about your time as as a latter-day saint so i was born into the church first of five kids uh, our family didn't have a lot of extended family around so we were really close the five of us and my parents um, we were all really active especially in the ward events all our you know friends were there family activities centered around those activities and it was really a great way to grow up as a young kid there were lots of great programs and fun things for the family campouts even where, where was this at in oregon Open. mostly oh, okay. uh, california oregon idaho we moved to utah when i was 12 and it was really at that point when things started to shift a little bit um, utah mormons are sort of a different culture and even though i was mormon when we moved here I knew I didn't quite fit into that culture. With the, with the other? Even with the yeah. other Mormons, which left me in a little bit of a no man's land because I didn't quite fit in with the non-Mormons. I didn't quite fit in with the Mormon kids. They sort of had their relationships that had started very early. When they were younger. And, um, and they were nice to me. It was just a sense that I didn't really quite fit either place. Um, and. Uh, but it was still good. The young women's programs were great. The campouts were great. That was something I really loved. And so I, I excelled at those parts of church yeah. activity. Did the leaders try to involve you much? Absolutely, yes. Oh, I was good. always in leadership positions with young women's okay. and uh, got to help out with the children's Sunday school classes and things like that. Okay. So I was involved in those ways. And, and as you got good. a little older, did you... Uh, in high school, did you attend seminary? And what was I your did. Junior there? high and high school were yeah. seminary days. Uh, this is when I started to question and push back a little bit, and I think part of it was just adolescent rebellion, you know, the things that most of us go through. Um, were there specific questions? Or? I, one of the first doctrinal questions that I really wanted to do some research on because it was just bothering me. I couldn't understand the reasoning for it. It didn't make any sense. And that was the word of wisdom. I had friends that drank coffee or, you know, my aunts and uncles would have a beer at the family reunions and I couldn't really understand what the problem was. And I thought, if I do some re research, I can find peace with this. Well, I really couldn't. Because going back to what Joseph Smith had said about hot drinks, 
didn't really. And then uh, in Mormon doctrine, Bruce McConkie talked about cold drinks really aren't good for digestion either. <laughs> but nothing specifically talked about what we weren't supposed to drink and why. And people had funny ideas about, well, should it be caffeine? And right. it, it, maybe herbal tea is okay, but the tea leaf with the antioxidants that <laughs> is supposed to be, to be healthy, good. we're not supposed to drink that. And I kind of got told, well, God knows better, and so we're just going to trust God. But then uh, the more I researched, researched it, it, didn't it seem just to make sense. It wasn't consistent, and it didn't make sense. Yeah. And were your the other members of your family, you say, that, that did drink, were they members of the church as well? No. Oh, okay. My aunts and uncles and... Because obviously the LDS would look down on anyone who... Sure. That was the other the word thing of wisdom. that really put a bad taste in my mouth early on was the superiority complex of the church. To be told, we're the only true church, we're the only way you're getting to the highest degree of glory in heaven. And it just seemed narrow-minded and unrealistic to think that God was expecting all of the people in the world to follow all these rules and rituals and get to the temple and memorize all the things you had to memorize in the temple to, go, yeah. to, to live with him. Do you think that's uh, an arrogance and a pride that uh, carries over into other things with the members of the church as well? Yeah, Do you think? absolutely. I mean, they feel like they're kind of on the right track and they're the only ones on that track. They're the only ones holding to the rod, so to speak, Absolutely. is that right? Absolutely, yes. And I think it's part of what makes them not search for the truth. Because when you think you're in the top club, and you've got the rules, why would you search any deeper? You know what meetings to show up to, right. you know what to say, you know how to look, you know what rules to follow, you know where to write the check every month, <laughs> right? right? So, And these things are going to get you yeah. to heaven. And you're going to get to be a goddess or a god and create your own worlds. Why would you search any deeper? Oh, so true. Do you, did you have a testimony of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and um, the church itself? You know, I really didn't. As, I, a, as a young person? Even you as a young person, when I started bearing my testimony, I would stand up and say, I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I always believed that there was God, the Father. I believed in Jesus. Him. I yeah. believed that I could talk to them. Yes, I believed they answered prayers. But something about saying, I believe Joseph Smith was a prophet, never really quite rang true. And so yeah. even in my early teen years, I pulled back from saying that because I thought, I really want to have integrity and I want to mean the things that I say. Well, that's honorable, but that isn't exactly what the church would have you do. Is that true? It's absolutely true. <laughs> they would want true. you to bear your testimony, and so, uh, so you had at least uh, you were studying about the church. Uh, did you read the Book of Mormon? And, oh, of course, yes. And, and, and you, of we course, were asked to pray about <clears> it, but <throat> you never had a strong feeling that. Well, I had a feeling. Yes. I mean, I would say I had the emotion that uh -huh. goes along with, I, I probably read it four times as a teenager, and you go to all those seminary classes, and we had uh, our youth group read it all together and got together once a week to discuss the chapters we'd been assigned. Mm. And, you know, I had a good feeling about it. But let me say, at the heart of it, I was an existentialist, which is the philosophy that anything with meaning only has meaning 
because you give it meaning. Because you put So I was choosing to believe this system. I was choosing to believe it because it worked for my life and I thought, well, that's fine. Maybe there's no real truth out there. Maybe there's no absolutely perfect truth. And so this is good enough. I'm going to choose this. It works for my family. It works in my life. Did you, were you able to share this kind of, these kinds of thoughts with your parents or your siblings? I'm not sure I was this clear on them. I did write my parents a letter in my mid-teen years saying, I'm an American. You wrote and your, and, they, and you, lived, wrote you were living with them and yes. you wrote them a letter? Yes, I, I did this a lot. I loved to write as a teenager. So I wrote them and said, you know, I have freedom of religion. Let me go to church with some other kids. Let me just explore some other religions and see what else is out there. And they reluctantly agreed that wow. I could look at, I could go to another church as long as it didn't interfere with my LDS. We're going to your... Going to, well, that's your, three hours a Sunday. That's right. As a teenager, you think I'm really looking <laughs> for three more? I mean, you know, I, I think I went to church with someone else once or twice, but I really wasn't allowed the freedom and time to explore anything else. So as you got just a little older, did you start pulling away from activity in the church then, or were, did you try to stay active as a, an older teen and young adult? Well, I got married really early, Okay. and one of the biggest reasons I got married was to get out of the house and be out from under so those rules. So you felt that pressure. Absolutely. Okay. So the funny thing is, I get out on my own, I'm trying to do life on my own, and it's tough. Yeah. And it clicks. I can go back to church. There's a whole support there system there. Support, yeah. You know, there's a whole support system there. And so I did turn back to the LDS church at that point and thought, you know what, it might not be perfect, but it's good enough. There's social support here. I can make friends wherever I go. If I need help, no matter where I move in the whole world, I can tap into this support structure. What's bad about that? Yeah. So I went back to that. So you weren't really feeling strongly doctrinally about the church, but you did feel the culture, the sociability of it. And, and then this marriage... Uh, ended. Ended. Very had a quickly. I mean, when you get married just to get out of the house, what yeah, do you expect, yeah, you know? Yes. We sort of knew that going in. Um, got divorced, met another man who was just a sweetheart. Yeah. Naive, darling, was like my brother. And I was so comfortable with him. Um, and again, was feeling pressure, like, if you're going to spend that much time with them, you should be married. Well, okay, so we get married. He converted to the church at that point because he oh, was not raised he was LDS. Not raised. Um, and we went through the temple about a year later. Hmm. Um, How was that experience in comparison to your other beliefs and feelings and thoughts? Well, at this point, I think I was clear on that I was choosing to believe, that, or choosing to live Mormonism, because it worked. You know, my friends were Mormon, my parents were Mormon, it kept everybody happy, it gave some good structure, you knew what the rules were, you knew how to perform, so it was a choice. You didn't feel much, did you feel like a, like a hypocrite or that you were playing a game at that point? Yeah, sort of like kind you're playing of, along, and then yeah. going to the temple is sort of anticlimactic. I mean, you think you're gonna feel enlightened and inspired and instead you kind of get you just didn't feel movies that. and things to memorize and yeah. it, no that was sort of a, a letdown and yeah I, I did sort of feel like well 
Well, this so then what happened in, with this activity? You were active in the church then, gone through the temple, and you were holding callings and so on. And yes. So then what happened as, uh, as you started moving along? You know, life happened. <laughs> we were both full-time students, working full-time jobs, trying to pay a mortgage, just in debt over our heads. Life was stressful and busy and hard. And then you've got the LDS church that wants your tithing, and you to show up for three hours mm -hmm. on Sunday and we got called to be teachers of eight-year-olds and so they have activity days midweek as well mm. and and both my husband and I thought why why are we doing this let's just step back and assess neither one of us at this point are really passionate about our faith neither one of us really believe in it at this point he's a convert as you he's a convert okay. we we chose it it made my happy my family happy but we thought, this just wants all of our time and all of our money, and we're not even sure we believe it. Why are we doing this? Well, it was about the same time that our marriage dissolved, and um, he had an affair and went oh. his way, and it really ended amicably. Mm. But it was my chance to just wipe the slate clean in my life. I thought, I've always valued integrity. It really bothers me that I'm not living with integrity at this point. Mm. So I'm wiping everything off the slate and then we'll reassess and bring things back in yeah. as I choose. So I told my mom one night, it was New Year's Eve, and she was saying, Marcy, we really need to spend more time at the temple. You're going through a tumultuous <laughs> time in your life. It will bring great you peace. You didn't really want to hear that, I guess. but I thought, I've got to tell her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't be on the fence anymore. Uh, so I just said, Mom, I'm sorry, but I'm just done with the church right now. I'm not saying that... I hate the church. I'm not saying your beliefs are wrong. I'm just saying I don't know, and I need to step away from it from, for right now. I'm time. not going to be uh, part of that. And, of course, she was sad to hear that. It wasn't what she hoped to hear. Right. But it turned out to be a great blessing that I told her in that time, because only a few hours later, I met the man I would marry. Really? And um, the fact that my parents knew I had stepped away from the church before I met him yeah. uh, was valuable. Made it a little easier. They could never think it was that it, I did it, it for him. It was his fault. Yeah. Okay. And so then what happened uh, as time went on? Did you, were you inactive then for a short time or a long time? How I was, was so relieved to just be out of it yeah. <laughs> and free from all that law and all the rules and yeah, it was like a breath of fresh air, and I just thought, I can worship God in nature. I still believed in God. I always oh, had. Yeah. Uh, I still believed in Jesus and the cross. And then my husband, who had not really been brought up with any sort of religion, every once in a while would ask a question, and I'd think, well, what do I believe? I don't know. I know what the Mormon answer is, oh. but now what do I really believe? And I had a friend who would say, oh, I prayed about this, or I feel led to that, or I know Jesus said, th and I, so I finally said, how can you say how that? You know that? How do you know that? Yeah. And she said, well, come and take a Bible study class with me. Wow. And that was the beginning of a whole new journey in my life. And what did that mean to you? I mean, what did you, how, what did you learn? Oh, it, it meant everything to me. About the Bible? Me. So this was a really basic Bible study. I mean, we started at the beginning, like who wrote the Bible? What was it written on? How was it passed down? How do we test its reliability? How do we know that the people who say it says wrote it 
really wrote it? Yeah. And how do we know they were qualified to write what they wrote? Yeah. And we talked about all of those things. And once you establish that the Bible is a reliable source of information, historical and otherwise, then you can start learning from it because you trust it. Yeah. Did you ever sense that from the Mormon church about oh, the Bible? No. When I was LDS, we carried the Bible around with our Book of Mormon and our Pearl of Great Price and our Doctrine and Covenants. But it was kind of the big heavy one that was yeah. sort of a pain. You didn't open it. I mean, I loved the Beatitudes. I loved some of the Psalms. I loved some of the stories. But that's really all it amounted to was some pretty poetry and some stories. I was always, I always believed, I'm not going to say I was taught, but I always had the impression that the Bible was too difficult to understand. It was unreliable anyway. It was... According to Joseph Smith. Right. That it was less, uh, less reliable anyway than the Book of Mormon. Right, right. And, and we were told that we believed in both. So why would you spend all your time trying to get through this big <laughs> Bible when you've got all the answers given to you every Sunday and you've got your little Book of Mormon you have to read for seminary anyway? And I really thought everything that was in the Book of Mormon was in the Bible. I had no way of knowing that, that they, were, they were two different doctrines. So from your Bible study, did you end up then attending a church, a Christian church? I did at the same time. The, the study was taught at a Christian church. At a Christian church. church, and you went there on Sundays? And Sunday I would go there, there on or? Sundays, and boy, did the light turn on. I, I finally understood we were there to worship Jesus. It was just about, all, all about Jesus. Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. It's just so different than in the Mormon church, where we don't put that emphasis on, and the stu study of the Bible uh, is so different, verse by verse, and so on. So what kinds yes. of things did you learn? What, what were the differences between Mormonism and, and your Christian church? What well, kinds of things particularly struck you? The identity of Jesus is huge, to understand that he's not my brother, and he's not Satan's brother, he's God in the flesh. I think people watching this show will realize that this one comment you've made is a, a continuing, a recurring comment. What, what is the difference between this biblical Jesus that we love and trust and the Mormon Jesus? You the mentioned the elder everything. brother. It is everything, it's isn't everything. it? It's everything. Yeah, read John. I mean, John writes his entire book just so that we will understand the correct identity of Jesus. Because if we believe in the right Jesus, the right identity, that brings eternal life. Yeah. If we believe in a different Jesus, it doesn't really give us anything. Yeah. And he starts right out, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, and it's a beautiful story. And Yeah. yeah. Uh, so as you started going to the Christian church, did your husband go with you? And yeah. Did he? he when, it, when it is not hunting season, when my husband not, okay. goes with me. <laughs> and does he enjoy that? He or? does. He really enjoys being at yeah. church. And he's, uh, he's really quiet. Oh, I adore him. Yeah. So he doesn't want to talk a whole lot about his faith, but it is real and it's there. And he has come uh -huh. to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And I praise God yeah. for that. Isn't that wonderful? To it be is. Equally yoked, as they say, and to be together with that. Yeah. So what else did you learn, though, in, in, the, in the Bible that seemed, or in the Christian church that seemed different than in Mormonism, particularly? Uh, well, gosh, things are so simple. I mean, in the Bible, there's heaven, and there's one way to get there. You believe in Jesus, and then when you die, 
you're with Heavenly Father. You're, you're your with God. To, yeah. It, and that's it. There's not a whole laundry list of things to follow. And I, I remember the first time I was ever approached by Christians, it was actually years before this Bible study class. And really, my, I turned them away pretty quickly because I thought, I've already been there, I've done that, I'm not doing religion again, I'm finally free from it. But my first thought was, just show me the rules. Just pull out your list and show me so what I'm it is gonna I'm going to have to do. So when I get to this Bible study and start to understand what grace and mercy really mean and how those things operate, and that it's not about me earning it, but that I have an opportunity to do the works of the Spirit once I'm reborn, and the Spirit is living in me. You do good works because you have the faith and you've turned your life to God and you want to please Him and please your fellow man. Yeah, well, your heart really changes. When you are spiritually reborn, you're no longer driven by the human heart and the human desires that you had before. Don't get me wrong, that all comes up and we all sure. still sin. We're not perfect. But the re at the heart of my heart, my desire and passion is really to serve God. It's really to make Him happy with the choices I make. When I mess up, it's not a sense of guilt. It's a sense of disappointment. Like, ah. I know that's not what Jesus would do. And you want Jesus to please God do. more. Why, why do you think the Mormons are so legalistic? What, what is, uh, I mean, obviously Joseph Smith set this in motion, and it's become that, but they just don't understand the difference between grace and works at all. You know what I, I really think is, it's our human nature. That's how this world works. I mean, your boss doesn't give you a check because... He just loves you out of the goodness of his heart, right? There's things you have to do. You have to show up, and you have to do your work, and you have to accomplish this and that and do the other thing, and then you get a reward. Yeah. And so even in religion, that makes sense to our human minds that we're going to check the boxes and we're going to get a reward. It's like you were asking, what are the rules? Right. <laughs> you know, and it makes it more. It makes it more. Uh, makes it easier, I suppose, for us when we we know what the rules are and we have to follow them. I think this walk with the Christian, with uh, with Christ and with God, like you're saying, you just don't want to disappoint them. You want to do your best and and serve and love. So that's yes. wonderful. So what else did you? Anything else you learned there, and uh, or how you feel now about your? your walk with with God and I know you've been a teacher uh, you've done some teaching in the yeah. Christian church how's that gone oh it's wonderful is you it? know one of the things I didn't understand when I was LDS is that there are talents you're born with and then there are spiritual gifts that you're given when you're reborn when you're spiritually reborn and those spiritual gifts are specifically designed to help the body of Christ and that's what we're supposed to use them for. And one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. And when I have the chance to teach a group about the Bible, about yeah. Jesus, I feel so alive. Yeah. I feel so alive. And how free it is to be able to find those opportunities and not have a calling, not have somebody tell me, you're going to show up and do this or that. I have the opportunity to use my wow. my gifts to serve Christ now. Now, you... Ha you do you think that's the Holy Spirit that's in you that gives you that feeling? Yes. And yet, the Mormons, you have to go, you have to be baptized and be confirmed a member of the church and then be given the gift of the Holy Ghost. That always bothered me that we assume uh, investigators or converts to the church could get the Holy Ghost, but they couldn't keep it with them because they weren't baptized. And you're saying you have the Holy Ghost with you all the time? All the time. 
Well, so do I, and I, <laughs> I love it. And I, I just, I, one of the things someone threatened me with when I was leaving the church is that I wouldn't have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I thought, my God is so much greater than that that I can, uh, that I can have the Holy Spirit with me all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned to, to me a couple of things, uh, uh, points that you questioned about the church. One was earning salvation, and I guess we're getting back to works and, and grace, the identity of Jesus the Bible can't be trusted, and that this religion of Mormonism is a man-made religion. Do you, you want to explain that just a little bit, how it's man-made? Of course, I, I think we know, but... <laughs> well, you know, there's so much proof, if you go back to the history of the church, that Joseph Smith created this. He had some other resources, he plagiarized a lot of things, but he came up with something apparently brilliant because it sure yeah. tricked a lot of people. I don't mm -hmm. know that he ever imagined it would be uh, what it is now. And a lot of the things he designed to comfort his family, some of the teachings and the Gospels that he came up with, yeah. they were designed to pleasure him yeah. and comfort his family. Polygamy and, and baptism for the dead, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And I think those things still appeal to a lot of humans in a hurt Hurting yeah. world, and that's one thing that struck me too is the uh, the fact that none of this is mentioned in the Bible. Jesus never spoke about this. Paul never really spoke about it. In fact, the Book of Mormon really doesn't talk about much of this either. Yes. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I frequently make a point to contrast the Bible to Mormon doctrine. Yeah, you can't just contrast it to the Book of Mormon because the Book of Mormon alone is not where you're going to find a lot of the really crazy stuff in yeah. Mormonism. Well, this may require you to repeat yourself a little bit. What, what's your greatest joy being a Christian? You know, my greatest joy is just my relationship with Jesus. No religion, just Just, just my relationship with Jesus. To know it's two-way communication. I can pray to Him, speak to Him 24 hours a day, and He speaks back. So, you know, I don't always hear it in audible words. But he definitely leads me and guides me, and yeah, to know that he is always with me. I know at the end of the day, my identity, my worth, everything is wrapped up in who he is and who I am to him, and knowing that he loves me. And we know we're sinners, and that we're saved by grace, Yeah. and that uh, we all fall short, as the Bible says, but we, because of his sacrifice, we, we move forward and have that trust. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Marcy. What a delightful person you are, and what a testimony, and good luck in your journey with, with Christ. Uh, I just want to conclude a little bit tonight by reminding you, or, and have you remember, all of you that are listening, that uh, those of you that are LDS are choosing between the Gospel of Joseph Smith and the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and I hope you choose well. Uh, study, open the Bible, read Romans and John, as we've said before, and, and read as a child. Read the Bible as a, a simple child and see what Jesus really said about things and see what Paul said about things and, and what you're supposed to be following. And as you do that, you'll draw closer. Pray to God. Trust Him. And, uh, and you'll, your eyes will be opened for the first time in your life. It will be, it will be wonderful for you. Good night. Thanks. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. 
From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music